You're listening to Leadership on the Ground, Season 4, The Tensions of Leadership. A tension is a gentle pull, a stretch that causes a strain, or an emotional trigger that can cause a positive or negative reaction. When you are in a leadership role, you are confronted with tensions constantly. It's what you do at these critical moments that matters most. In this series, we learn how to identify and acknowledge these tensions, how to appropriately respond to them with our next move, and how to skillfully navigate through them when leading ourselves, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. This series is made possible by the international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor, your guide for achieving breakthrough performance in productivity. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Erica Pietler. Good morning and welcome back to our very special edition series, Leadership on the Ground, Season 4, The Tensions of Leadership. As always, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Erica Pietler. Erica, I cannot believe we've already come to the end of our fourth season. Wow. Unbelievable. This went so fast. It did. It did. And it's going to close very strong because I'm looking forward to this chat. Episode 7, The Tension in Leading Organizations and Being Either an Entrepreneurial or Enterprise Leader and thereby enabling the organization to both scale and sustain itself. It's going to be very, very important. So before we go there, Erica, remind our audience what is meant by the tensions of leadership. Yeah, this is really going to be, I think, a, an exciting season for us because we've been engaging in this ongoing dialogue regarding leadership being a skilled profession. So it requires conscious discipline. It requires practice. And it's all in this pursuit of performance and productivity. So in season one, we really laid down some skills about how do you become a consciously competent leader? What do you need to do? How do you do it? And why do you do it? And then we advanced in seasons two and three, and we started to talk about practices of leadership. How do you practice in real time? How do you establish rhythm for working at the speed of business and putting some macro structures in place? In season four, Todd, we're going to change it up again, and we're going to look at these tensions that leaders face as they progress in advancing their leadership practice. And these tensions are stresses, they're pulls, they're triggers, and they're things that leaders must raise, wrestle with, and resolve, or else they're going to struggle, they're going to get stuck, and they're going to stagnate themselves and their businesses. So the stakes are really high in season four. All right. So as we close up the series here with part two of our leading organizations, uh, we did wrap up the last episode talking about the changes that needed to be made for the teams and, and with the talent. But I think it's important to also remember that the leader, him or herself, may need to make some changes here, right? So walk us through uh, what some of those might be. You know, fundamentally, the biggest change in this entrepreneur and enterprise leadership is it's typically the model that at the entrepreneurial level, you're the spoke in the wheel. You kind of have all of the decisions. People kind of come to you and you kind of delegate the work out, but you're the mastermind of whatever this enterprise is. And people tend to defer to you and, and you tend to make all the critical decisions. Speed is important. You're moving really quickly. You're at the early stages. But as the organization evolves and changes and you do become more of an enterprise, you start to realize that my capacity as an individual can't be the capacity of the organization. So my bandwidth is going to ultimately hold us back if I'm the spoke in the wheel and I'm making all the decisions, whereas an enterprise uh, model and format starts to now rely more on the team. 
You start to get functional experts on board. You start to get people who understand process and structure. And you start to have a team-based environment. So the capacity of your organization and the scalability of it will be exponentially greater because your team's capacity is always going to be greater than your individual capacity. So that's a fundamental shift that a leader needs to get used to as they're moving from one model to the next. What you're talking about here is the classic working in or on the business, right? I thought that was limited just to small companies, but no, this, this is applicable to a large enterprise too. It's definitely applicable to a large enterprise. You know, when you're working in the business and you're a part of that day-to-day, you don't have the altitude and the landscape to really strategically be able to figure out where you need to go next. So you got to get on the business and not in the business. And, you know, we talked about the organizational excellence model in our last session. That starts to create an on-the-business format and roadmap for leaders and gets them out of the day-to-day weeds and fray and starts looking at, what do I need to do to solve the tensions that are in the way of my scalability and sustainability? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Critical stuff. So another tension that I think is worth talking about here is this idea of loyalty versus performance. What is meant by that? Well, you know, when we're talking about the people side of things, you know, you start to move from an entrepreneur to an enterprise model and two big changes happen. Process, which we've talked about, you know, do we have the trains running on time? Do we have the structures in place? Are we educating and using the processes that we need to? And then the people side of things, which is, are we having an appropriate focus on talent management? Do we have a philosophy around talent? And As our jobs evolve and as our needs evolve, the entrepreneurial leader moving to an enterprise format is probably going to have a skewed look at their talent. They're going to look at the talent that's brought them this far and they're going to go, I love these people. I'm loyal to these people. Mm -hmm. These people were with me. They're employee number 16, 17, 18. (laughs) I can't tell you how many companies I work with. There's such pride and joy you know, in terms of them being one of the first and being there 20 years ago and really laying the foundation. And that level of gratefulness and respect, you can never get enough of. And being loyal is really key. But when you start to get into this enterprise model, you really need to be tomorrow's leader as well. You can't just be today's leader. And you have to be able to say, but do we have the appropriate performance measures in place? Do we have the appropriate skills? Are we holding back the organization? New skills start to become so much more important, accountability, developing others, being able to collaborate, being able to let go of position, power, and authority, which is kind of how the baby boomers grew up, right? You know, and now you look at where we are. So that shift from loyalty to performance base, will you as an enterprise leader be able to make the right call about the people and yet with grace and respect appropriately thank and appropriately move to the right position, those people who may have been with you for all those years. Yeah. Well, talking about this reminds me back when we talked a few episodes ago about, you know, protecting my team. Yeah. And it's kind of conceptually similar to that and that we, you know, we're holding on to talent for too long, I think. And part of the role that you play here, especially as you're shifting into an enterprise, is you have to be a talent magnet. Right, we've talked about that, and and I think if if this idea of being loyal and having people who aren't the right fit for the organizational needs, we talked about this transition in life cycles. I think that becomes more difficult to recruit the right talent when they're not like actually sure that they're they're going to be welcomed there. Well, you know, diagnosing the life cycle correctly is the first half of the battle, but then if you get it right. Now, building these processes and these philosophies around it is really critical. And you're absolutely right. You need different talent at different stages of the life cycle. Now, it would be wonderful to just think that everyone who joined us from the beginning 
can evolve and change and grow and have all the skill sets that we need through the entire life cycle of an organization. But you know what? That's not true. Go back to what we talked about in episode number one or two. Are you a team leader? Are you a thought leader? You know, we can ask you to evolve and be in these different roles, but is that consistent with who you want to be and what your talents are? So we have to be careful. We go out there, we start to want to be a talent magnet and we want to bring in this great talent because, hey, we want to be this big company. We're getting bigger now. But if we bring in great talent and we don't have the processes in place, or we don't have a talent management approach and career management for them, high potential talent may be uncomfortable in that kind of an atmosphere and Mm. environment. Mm -hmm. Now, you may bring in the right people and they could be the people who help build it with you, which is great. But sometimes we overpromise talent what's really here and they come in and they go, wait a second, you're running this on a shoestring. You're really an entrepreneurial organization. You don't have these processes in place. So you have to be really careful about how you bring in um, new talent as you're making the shift between the models. Well, and thinking further about talent, I mean, it's loyalty versus performance, but it's also performance versus potential, right? I mean, that's another thing you have to think about. This is huge. And I think, you know, one of the things that both large companies and small to mid-sized companies get caught up in is, you know, historically, we've given promotions over the years to those who were next in line, you know, right. those who had put in their 10 years, their 15 years, their tenure. Today, the game has really changed. And I think, you know, what talent expects is the people with the right skill set meritocracy wise to get the job. And meritocracy is really different in today's world because, you know, having the skills that's necessary for today, we may have quite a number of people that have put in a great deal of time and loyalty in a company that don't have the skills for what we're looking for tomorrow. But what are you going to do when you run an organization? You know, when you are the leader, you have to come to terms with if you're going to scale and sustain your business the organization as a whole is your highest priority. Now, we get distracted by our relationships and our loyalties, but really, if we were in not protecting them, right, like we talked about, not protecting our even our senior people, if we really were being objective and we were looking at the organization's needs, we would promote a lot more on potential people who don't necessarily have all the skill sets in place, but they will be able to take us through the next 5, 10, 15 years Whereas if I promote this other individual, they may be able to give us three, but then they're going to be a blocker. They're not going to be leaving the company for another five or 10 years until they retire. And yet they can't take that organization to that next transformational level. We get caught in a lot of those challenges. And that's a very difficult position for organizations to be in. Well, and that's a tough tension for a lot of people to think about is hiring a potential. That doesn't, that doesn't feel... That's not normal, frankly, I don't think. And it goes back to this idea. I'm thinking back a few episodes of uh, giving versus earning trust. It's, same, it's the same idea, right? I mean, because if you, if you hire a potential, then you are giving trust, right? I mean, that's one you way are. to think of it. And I think that also feeds into this being a better talent magnet, right? Being a talent magnet, look, is, is someone who doesn't necessarily only recruit when they have an open position. You know, you should always be recruiting. You should always be talking to people and always looking for game changers who can come into your organization. And yeah, that's the talent magnet that you're talking about. Now, an entrepreneur or an enterprise leader, you know, you might get more of that from an entrepreneurial leader, you think, because they'll just say, hey, you know, you just seem like you're a fit for the company. You should come in. But really, enterprise leaders are getting a little bit more hip to this Mm -hmm. as well, recognizing that you know, we may not have an absolute position for you, but we'll make a role for you or give you uh, an opportunity to come in and help create something with us. 
I think we're starting to see a lot more change in that. No, I have to be, to be competitive with all this great talent out there. Absolutely. All right, Erica and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right, Todd Schneck, back with Erica Petler. So, gosh, you know, I'm thinking about loyalty and performance and performance and potential and becoming a talent magnet and all these different things. You do really have to make the right call on your executive team and recruiting executive leaders. I mean, I think the leader who's now leading an organization versus leading him or herself, certainly even leading teams, they are now the leader of leaders, right? Oh, that's such a great phrase. I love that phrase. The leader of leaders. Yes, it means that you not only have to make the right call on your leadership team, but you may have to have the courage to, you know, make some tough calls on that leadership team. That leadership team needs to be the leadership team with the skills and the capabilities to develop that next generation and strategically work on the business with you and take that organization to the next level. Remember that if we have people who are not able to play at the highest level on that leadership team, they will slow you down and they will slow and jeopardize that life cycle change and that model change for you. So it's critical. And, you know, just to link it to what we were talking about before with talent, a lot of organizations do succession planning. It's great. It gives visibility to the issue. You get dialogue started about your talent, but you have to then link the development of that talent, whether it's through coaching or performance development plans, stretch assignments, so that if you do have to make a call on a leader at the senior level, that bench is appropriately prepared to bring that next leader up from the lower level so that you don't have a, a big shift. Well, there goes there comes that courage thing again, right? I mean, because we talked at the top of the last episode about this idea of flanking yourself. If you're an entrepreneurial leader, you have to hire a COO to help you run the organization. But then when you shift and you evolve into the enterprise, and maybe you need to then revert and get a, a, an innovation officer, you might have to make that call. And that that uh, that COO who you hired to get you started may no longer fit. And that's a that's a difficult decision. That's a big tension. But, you know, we have to keep the enterprise in mind here, the organization in mind, right? And oftentimes we don't. Absolutely. The players are going to change and you have to be able to appropriately balance and manage that over time. No yep. question. Yep, yep. I think uh, the final discussion here as we're talking about leading organizations and certainly with, with how we think about our talent, but is this idea of short-term or longer-term thinking? And I think, uh, I think a lot of leaders struggle with that. They do. I think it's probably one of the most significant tensions that, you know, you see even at the enterprise level. You know, it's so easy to get in the weeds. It's so easy to drop down in altitude. It's so easy to solve at the problem level, at the basic level, and get distracted into the details of the business because we love the business. 
But one of the things that I always listen for really, really hard is for the ways that people talk about short and long term. And, and, you know, long term, you know, in the business that, that I'm in in coaching, I see one of two scenarios. I see either enterprises who, you know, long term are really looking five and 10 years. You know, a lot of my pharmaceutical clients, I mean, they're talking about drug cycles and patent cycles that are quite long and they're in research phases where they may not see the fruits of their labors for five and 10 years. Some of the entrepreneurial companies, they look at their horizon and one year you know, might be long-term for them. Two to three years might be long-term for them. Some of them think in terms of decades in a negative way, you know, maybe that over the decade, something is going to change, whereas their cycle may need to be shorter. So we're all over the map with short and long-term. What I like to look for is, do people have an appropriate balance of what are we doing today? Where is it working? Where is it not working? And are we appropriately building for resolving the tensions of where it's not working? and creating new solutions so that we can scale to that next level. A lot of leaders will say to me, Erica, I don't have time for that. I got to run the business today or there won't be a tomorrow. And you know what my response to that is, Todd? That's the wrong leader in that role. Mm -hmm. If a leader literally says that to me, I'm thinking that leader might be the wrong leader for that life cycle because the right leader for the right stage of the life cycle should always be able to balance today and tomorrow because my job is not just to manage this phase of the life cycle, but to help us transition to the next phase of the life cycle. Well, how common is that scenario? I don't have time to think long term. I, that's that's prevalent from large enterprises down to small mom and pop and solopreneurs. I mean, we all we all have said that, and and that's a tension that we just can't can't grapple with. And you have to resolve that, or or frankly, none of anything we've said so far in this series or in that seasons one, two, and three matter, right? Yeah, and to me, it all kind of comes up and summarizes for me in this episode and in this segment in balance. It's the balance of that entrepreneur and that enterprise. It's the balance between the short term and the long term. It's the balance between performance and loyalty. It's the balance between performance and potential. You can see all of these tensions that you have to resolve. You have to make the choices around. You have to integrate. You have to sequence. But, you know, for me in this series, you know, if we've hit home with the fact that tensions are things that you have to name, you have to address them. You got to wrestle with them and you have to find your way to resolve them because if you stay silent on them, they will take your organization down a rabbit hole and they will cause pain points that will really discourage you from managing through to that next level of scale and sustainability. Well, in closing, I mean, is it, is it a fair question to ask that as you, as you think about your own leadership career and you move from leading yourself to a team to an organization and as an organization evolves from a startup and more entrepreneurial to more established and in, 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 in an enterprise, they're dealing with tensions all along that path. But it sounds like from what you just said, especially if, you're, if you are understanding the value of long-term thinking, you'll be dealing with tensions for the duration of that organization, yeah? Yeah, and I think that's, that's a great way to phrase it. Don't look to solve your tensions and, and have them all go away. Learn how to just be with the fact that it is just a series of tensions that you're going to have to move through. And the more you get comfortable moving through them, the easier they are to solve. And as we said at the very, very top of the season, attention is an opportunity to make an appropriate action and move forward. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And that's a wrap on season four of Leadership on the Ground, the tensions of leadership. Erica, 
Should anyone have any questions, how can they contact you, learn more? And most importantly, how can they get their hands on a copy of Leadership Rigor, which inspired this whole series? Ah, uh, yes, Leadership Rigor. So Leadership Rigor is available on Amazon.com. You could also order it from my website. There's a link there to Amazon.com. My website is EricaPietler.com. You can reach me via email, Erica at EricaPietler.com. And if you're tweeting, and I hope you are tweeting, if you want to follow more of the conversation that Todd and I have and talk about these uh, topics, a little bit more. The Twitter handle is at Erica Peeler. All right. Well, Erica, thank you for all that. And as per usual, another great season. Thanks for making this series possible. And as always, a pleasure and honor to collaborate with you. It was a pleasure. All right. And stay tuned for coming in the not too distant future, season five of Leadership on the Ground, the realities of leadership going to be a critical capstone to the Leadership on the Ground series. I cannot wait. So on behalf of myself and my co-host, Erica Peeler, Todd Schnick signing off from season four, but no worries. We'll see you again real soon. Thanks again for listening.